you're a man of mystery to me. Um, I, I, I know very little, so perhaps you can share with us, uh, with, with our audience, a little bit about uh, who you are. I'm, and, and what I'd like to do then is go back and tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, and sure. what that was like. Sure. So, um, Vice President in, in Atos, which is a, a global um, systems integration and consulting organization. We're, we're a French-based organization, uh, but we're, we're located in about um, 49 uh, uh, countries globally. Um, and uh, we clock around, around 12 billion euros of revenue uh, every year. Uh, and um, over the last five years, we, we want to take in a transformation journey we, towards the end of that journey now on a growth hmm. path. Okay. Um, so that, that's who I am. Um, sorry, you, you asked uh, about my background and where I came from. Uh, I'm originally, as, as you can probably tell from my, um, my, uh, my accent and, and my, uh, my image on your screen, uh, I'm from, from India. Uh, originally, um, I was educated in India, so I'm, I'm a genetics engineer by, uh, by background in terms of my um, graduation, and then I went on to do an MBA in India. And this was the time that uh, India was opening up as, 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 as a global economy. So our, our prime minister at that time uh, allowed for a free economy, which wasn't available before that. Uh, and as a consequence, you know, a lot of foreign funding started flowing into the um, uh, into India, and 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 obviously um, was a, a fantastic market for um, uh, new technology. So at that point of time, you had the, the pagers and the uh, and the mobile phones coming into India, and and that was a big big market for them. Um, and I started off my life working for Hutchison um, Vampova, which was a uh, as you know, Hutchison 3G, uh, the Singapore-based uh, organization, uh, and I was um, I was uh, head of site directions uh, for them. You know, the the the, um, the telephone sites, um, and and then um, did that for a period of time. After which, um, uh, I, I joined a logistics organization in India called Gati, um, and I joined them because that was probably one of the fastest growing industries in India at that time, as you can imagine, with the influx of foreign funding and influx of uh, foreign, um, at, at that time, you know, foreign goods, uh, logistics was becoming really important um, for, for people because um, at that point of time, in the, 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 the infrastructure within India wasn't that great. So, so the more innovative you became with logistics, the better you were able to serve people. Um, and so I worked for them for, for, for about uh, five years um, and uh, at that time realized that, you know, you know what, um, this is a business I could go in myself. So I decided to become an entrepreneur uh, and along with, with, with uh, a few uh, friends uh, and acquaintances put up a, um, uh, uh, an industry for inbound logistics for um, high value um, uh, Equipment. So this could be paging, cellular devices, um, you know, semiconductors and stuff like that. And, and we, we tried to provide a, a, a total logistics solu solution for our customers. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, that bombed uh, and bombed pretty badly. Uh, and and for, for a number of different reasons, uh, yeah. bureaucracy in the, in the country at that point of time being one of yeah. them. But uh, that bombed badly, and so um, like every good Indian, I went back to the drawing board, and uh, lo and behold, I figured out all my 
classmates were making tons of money in IT. And guess what? I said, that's where I'll go. Uh, and that's when I started my my IT journey with um, uh, with a pure play India services provider. And that at that point of time, I think it was the number three um, IT provider uh, globally from India. Mm. It was a company called Satyam Computers, Paul. I'm not sure if you've ever come across them. Um, at that time, I think the leaders were TCS and uh, with, with, I think, Infosys a close second. And then we were the number three organization. Uh, and uh, till my um, chairman, um, you know, committed uh, corporate fraud. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and overnight, we lost billions of uh, market cap. Um, and uh, obviously, that had a reflection on, um, on yeah. the shares that, that, as employees, all of us carry. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, at that that point of time, uh, you know, I, I was at that time in the UK, yeah. uh, working for the firm. I was looking after yeah. uh, uh, an industry. It was insurance, um, so yeah. I was I was the head of insurance for for Europe. Um, and uh, and at that point of time, Accenture offered me a job, so I was I worked with Accenture for a period of time till uh, I was working with uh, Accenture Interactive, which is the the digital arm of uh, Accenture. Uh, and and I, I was with Accenture for about seven years. Um, really enjoyed my my time there. Uh, and then Atos came about because Atos at that time was just starting to branch into into digital shedding their image as a legacy organization uh and i found it a very very attractive challenge so i, I picked that up um and uh, here i am okay there's so much i want to ask you about in there from what it's like waking up one day finding out the chairman has committed corporate fraud and you're suddenly <laughs> looking at going where's my job gone uh, i want to talk to you about how somebody goes from studying genetics to it and although you left a clue in there, you said there was something about your friends earning money. Um, and, but, but go back a little bit further for me. Talk to me a little bit about when you were growing up, generally speaking, most people have, it can be a relative, a teacher, somebody who had a big influence on your life and on your values. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, I, I think, um, yes. Yeah, so so when, when I was uh, growing up, uh, there were two people who had a significant influence on my life. Um, one uh, is a now very, is a, is a very, very famous Indian by the name of Ratan Tata. I mean, he, he, is the, he was the chairman of, of, the, of the Tata Group. Um, and I met him on one of my um, training sessions at the, at the Tata Learning Academy that was being sponsored by my company. And he came in for, I think, for an hour. And, and believe me, that art completely changed the way I looked at life. Wow! Because until then, I was I was very inward looking. Um, I mean, it was always one of what is in it for uh, for me, uh, as opposed to looking at the bigger picture uh, mm-hmm. and, and looking slightly longer term than than. And you you must realize, you know, at that time, India was a growing economy, but still there was a whole lot of um, um, lack of essential stuff. Right, uh, and, and and I suffered a lot from some of that. Uh, so any any time something came along, I grabbed it with both, both hands. Um, and until I had that discussion or or, or that that session with uh, Mr. Tata, um, I mean it, it it was amazing the way he he articulated his vision, the way he thought through every step of the process with those milestones built in, how he qualified his goals time and again every time he went from one to to the to the next um it, it was amazing and 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 that kind of opened things up for me 
And that's actually when I decided to, to, to leave my job and start something on my own. Unfortunately, that bomb for, 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 for reasons other than aspiration or, or ability, I think it was, it was some external factors that, that didn't allow it to happen. But, but I think that was the right direction, but that also opened up my eyes. So I think Mr. Tata was, was certainly one of them. But I think that the other person was my, my father himself. Um, and he was, um, uh, he was a metallurgical engineer who had studied in Germany and then went back to India to, to work in India. Uh, and, and he was a big influence on my, on my life in general, but more so um, to in, in my work life, because until then, um, he, he worked really hard for a living, he had very little time for the family. Uh, and, and it's only when I started working, we started connecting. And then when, that's when he started sharing his experiences around, you know, what was important um, for his customers. Customer. That's the first time I heard that sentence in my life. Is to think about your customer's customer. And that's the first time I heard it from, from anybody. And that was my dad. Um, yeah. Because he always thought of it that way. And he says, you know, always. And, and at that time, we, we didn't have things like design thinking or customer experience strategies or stuff like that. All he said was, try and try and, and, and fit into your customer's customer's shoes. And it's only then you can understand what you need to do for your customer. Uh, and that became very, very, very good for me. And, and, and I think he was also one of the few people who realized that I wasn't meant to um, work within an industry outside of a sales um, uh, role. Um, and, and I think he discovered that pretty early in me and he encouraged me to uh, go into sales as, as quickly as I could. That's really profound, actually, that somebody had that insight because most of us even struggle to put ourselves in our customer's shoes. But yes. to go that one step further and yeah. really kind of think it through and say, what do they care about most um, for, for somebody who, and, and as you say, was probably from a background uh, where you, you don't have the, you know, didn't go to sales classes and no. customer service classes and so no. on, just had an innate instinct for what people really Absolutely. cared about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when you think about it now and you look back to obviously some pivotal moments that you had and in, in inspirations, what would you say now if, if, if you were to record, if you, if you had the, if you were the, the, the minister for education and you could decree that there could be one subject added to the school curriculum that people should learn about life, but they don't, what do you think that would be? Um, I would think in, 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 in the current world of, of technology where anything is possible uh, with technology, I think the one thing that, that people still struggle to do is to provide um, good customer experience management um, and, and, and customer experience journeys to, to, to their customers. And I think, I think that is still a big flaw, even after all the technology that we have around AI, um, uh, and, uh, you know, intuitive decision-making, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think that's, that's, we still have a long way to go there. And therefore I would encourage things like design thinking that, that enables you to think through, um, you know, uh, possibilities that you don't normally think of you know sometimes the, the the problem with our current education system is it follows a process and process by definition is something that 
that is predefined uh, and, and and it doesn't allow for people to think differently uh, and, and I think I think it's really important we allow allow our kids and, and their kids to think uh, differently because there's otherwise they will end up like you and I um, with with zero innovation. You and I, I should have just said I. I've <laughs> some really incredible stuff. So. <laughs> well, I, I, again, I'm only learning from others, so I'm no pioneer in any of this. But um, I, I, I am interested in, and it's a question I had for you, and it's gone straight out of my head, but again, it was around, oh, I know what it was. We, we talk a lot about following your passion. But sometimes that's another way of saying, follow whatever you feel like in the moment without thinking it through. And to me, when you talk about design thinking, it's really about consequences and thinking through step by step. And I'm just wondering where the line is there between, which is a good thing, follow your passion. But passion doesn't always pay the mortgage. And design thinking in terms of it applies to our careers and our choices. And I'm wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, so so um, so for, for, so when you talk about passion, I think um, sometimes you you confuse infatuation with passion uh, as an as an individual. Uh, happened to me a million times in my life, and I thought this was something that that this is my passion. That's what I want to do. Uh, so, 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 I mean, my mother suffered the most because of it. Because one day I would come around and say, you know what, I want to be a photographer in my life because I took some amazing pictures. Uh, and the next day it would be something else. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but um, th there is a bit about um, design thinking in terms of, you know, looking at uh, the consequence of what you're thinking now and what you're designing and the impact it would have on something else and that applies to your career and the way you you, you move forward as well um and and but what it does not do is restrict you so it doesn't stop you and it doesn't doesn't put up those walls and say look it, just because you've done a finance degree you have to become an accountant uh, or, or that's where you that that's where you should go. That design thinking allows you to use your core skills, and core skills doesn't is a combination of what is inherent in you and what you studied. And I think a combination of that always helps you uh, in your life. Um, uh, and 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 I think and, and of course the interactions that you have with people. So when I when I started off, like 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 I told you, you know, I was a genetics engineer. Um, I, I, know, I know nothing. I knew nothing about IT or technologies or or, or even the business. I mean, I, I I work in the financial services area, um, and and I had had no clue. Right, all I had was the ability to apply um, uh, a set of activities that I'm, I was sure, and I, I couldn't define it as a process at that time. So it was a set of activities I knew would lead to something something else and something bigger. And I had no clue what that bigger is. So a lot of uh, what that became was an accident, but I think it was a good accident because I followed the right steps to get, to get to that. And I think that's what you, I think you were referring to uh, when you said process, I mean, sorry, design thinking versus passion, right? I think, mm -hmm. I think that's that's where, where it is. But then I have, obviously there are exceptions, there are people who, who, who have a passion and that's that such a strong passion that they know exactly what they want to do. And there's a, there's a friend of mine who's, in, who's a pretty famous uh, 
artist in India, uh, and and he's an artist because he followed his passion. I mean, he he did not um, in India when we were growing up. I mean, you had to graduate because that's the minimum expectation. You're fighting against a billion other kids like you, right? So you have to do better, and 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 you you start off from a, a higher playing field if you have a better education right mm-hmm. and that, that's that was simple mathematics but this guy just refused to do that and he, he did not graduate followed his passion and he's probably one of the biggest designers india has ever seen mm-hmm. uh, so, so so i think i think i i've seen mm-hmm. that side of the coin as well but that's yeah. that's an exception to me yeah sorry you talk there about falling into professions not really knowing what you're getting into, just following through, I guess, on, you know, you're inspired by others to go into IT, for example, and then sales and financial services. And and you said, look, you couldn't define it in terms of steps, but you worked it out. I'm wondering, is that just another way of saying you had self-belief and you knew that once you have that, you'll figure anything out? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have a... I didn't have a choice, uh, really. So my, my background is, is, is a bit unique. I think I, I'll take half a minute to explain this because I think it's important. So I went to a, a very expensive school in India. So all around me, I had people who who were from very wealthy families and, and very wealthy backgrounds. And so they had their career sorted out. They knew they had to do A, B, C, and D. They, they were going to the US to do their MS and stuff like that. We came from a relatively uh, humble background, uh, even though my father actually paid for a very, uh, very good education. Uh, we he couldn't afford anything else after that. Okay, mm-hmm. so so for me, I, I all the benchmark was set. I had, I had, I knew I had, to, I had to go there. I knew I had to, I had to be with them. I knew I had to compete with these guys who come from a privileged background, and so so therefore, for me, there was just no way out. When it, it was that or nothing. Right. Yes. Uh, so, so that kind of drove a lot of that self-belief because I knew because I was succeeding. I was I was already playing with the best and was doing well. Mm. Uh, so, so so therefore, you know, it was um, I mean, I, I had to work really hard through through most of my career, most of my my my, my uh, you know, when a, my student life and, and then, of course, my career, because nothing really came easy. So we, we yeah. had to do that. And, and that comes from a combination of effort and self-belief, so I, I think. Yeah, you the said you had to... itself, you know, doesn't help. Sure. You, you, you said that you had to work hard and, and nothing came easy, which and, and it's all worked out clearly. Um, what would you say when you look back, what challenge did you come up against that you weren't expecting as you went on that journey? Um, so... Um, when a number a number of things, you know, so when uh, there, were, there were two two specific times in my career where I was challenged the most. I think the first time I was challenged the most was when I first joined Satyam Computers, uh, first time into IT without without knowing anything about how the industry was. I didn't know how to code. Uh, I don't. I didn't know what applications were, you know, how, how people use them, which industries for what, nothing, nothing at all. I joined as the executive assistant to one of the largest um, uh, industries within, uh, within, within Satyam Computers, one of the largest industries that, that Satyam was serving, right, which was 
which was General Electric, which was a client. So, but but they had it, it was it was termed an industry, and because I became the exec assistant to a to the head of that, I learned a lot from there. So I, I had to change, I had to learn, uh, and, and I, I stayed back uh, after work, you know, to, to learn how to code, to project manage, to understand what the customers did. Um, I stayed back with the customers after dinner to just try and understand, you know, what what they were thinking of when they were, they were evaluating service providers like us. And so that helped me a lot. So that was my first time that happened. The second time it happened was when I joined Accenture. Because suddenly the thinking elevated to a completely different level. So we were very relationship-based selling. People did not know us that that well. Mm-hmm. So you had very little to lose even if you didn't do well. In Accenture, you were competing with the best. You mm-hmm. you had you had people who had phenomenal abilities, you know, amazing thinking. You know, if I would think through two steps ahead, the person I was talking to would think through 10 steps ahead, right? And the conversation from me at that point of change changed from IT to business, okay? The first time it moved from, uh, you know, knowing nothing about the industry into IT. And the second time it changed from moving from IT into business. And when at that time, the customer's customer became even more relevant. Yeah. Um. In, in all of that, then, when you talk about the challenges, you talk about the journey, and I mentioned that from a, certainly from a CV perspective, you've been very successful in all of that. How would you personally define success? Um, for me, it's, it, it's always been um, being the best at what you do within your sphere of influence. Um, and and I say sphere of influence because it should not restrict you uh, to be the best within your organization, but what you can see around you really yeah. is, is to me, to me, that's, that is, that is success. Uh, and I, and I really strive hard to, to, to get there. Mm. Um, so, um, so, 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 so obviously that, you know, th- there are some, some associated benefits that come with that success. Uh, and I do, uh, and I'm grateful for, for all of that, that comes along with that success. And I did, but, but for me, it's, it's, it's the challenge of proving that you're better than, um, than the people around you. Interesting. And when you say better, I presume you mean that in a technical way rather than, any kind of humanistic way it's it's i'm i'm at the job it's it's just at the job yeah in a tech in a tech yeah got it okay it's it's just the job i mean being better at at delivering or doing something or managing something uh, than others i mean um it it comes from a sense of you know a very high level of competitiveness that's that's driven into you uh, when you grow up with a billion other uh, yeah. Indians around you waiting, waiting to succeed. I'm cu- what I'm curious about, Sid, is you talk about competing with others because you grew up in that environment. Um, mm-hmm. Was Are you really competing with them or are you competing with yourself? Wow, that's profound. I've, um, <laughs> I've, no, I mean, for, for me as, as an individual, I'm competing with 
people in my area of influence or in, in my area of, of activity, right? Mm. Uh, I've always seen that as a challenge because I've, I have always been, very fortunately for me, uh, at least over the last 15 years, I've always been surrounded by really smart guys, very, very mm. smart people. And for me, uh, it was really important to, to compete with them and succeed, right? Uh, mm. And that's what I have done. Uh, and that's that's what I, I, I continue to do uh, in, in terms of, of, of demonstrating my ability to to learn, uh, to deliver uh, and, and, and just be better. So if, if those people in, in your surrounding group, community, whatever you want to call it, if they weren't there, how would you motivate yourself? If, if, if they weren't there, um, yeah, I, I guess um, I would find it very difficult to motivate myself. I, I would really find so. So for me, working for and, and that's why I changed roles uh, as as I moved along because I was looking for bigger bigger challenges. Um, so every time I, I found something, I said, "Okay, this is done. I, I need to do something else, and, and I need to something that's that's more challenging in an environment where it's going to be even more difficult." Mm. Um, and, and that comes with um, obviously all of those roles come come with rewards um, that 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 compensate for that for that challenge and and and, and I find that really exciting for myself. Mm. Um, so I, I, there's an interesting thing here actually. I, I find a lot of people who 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 are very self motivated. Okay, for me, I I I don't know whether I have that self motivation. I've never done that level of introspection. Mm. But for me, if I find a challenge. Okay, I find it even more motivating. Yeah, if I can articulate a challenge and if I can if I can amplify the challenge in my mm. head, I mm. find that very motivating. Yeah, I'm not actually convinced. I'm thinking about it. I remember <laughs> yeah. having this years ago, and I was run, I was training for a marathon, <laughs> and I was with my brother-in-law. One Sunday we were out, and it was one of the long runs coming up before the marathon itself. And he said to me, "You know, Paul," he said, "Nobody could pay me to do this." And he was right. We weren't doing it for any kind of external reward. Nobody was going to be mad with us if we did, if we gave up. But there was something, and 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 so I've given this some thought, and I'm not convinced. There is a lot of, I, I think, all internal motivation comes from our external experiences at some stage. Maybe you'll often see sometimes the uh, immigrants into a new country, for example. Mm-hmm have they have a very strong motivation and their children children of immigrants have very strong motivations to succeed and to the outside world it looks like it's internal but it didn't start there it started there's something else in their environment in their journey i think that caused it so i've never given much more thought than that but i'm always curious to know because i've had that myself in terms of career where you you struggle sometimes you wake up one day and what used to motivate you no longer motivates you because something's changed and, and, and identifying that. So let me ask you the question. I'm conscious of the clock. We're just up on time, but one of the last... I've for five more minutes. Of okay, time. perfect. Thank you, Sid. Um, if you had to retire in the morning, mm-hmm. you couldn't go back to work, was not allowed for whatever reason, what would you do with your time? Oh, gosh. Um... I have this thing in my head that I would go and play golf um, <laughs> because I love that. But um, but I'd be lost, to be honest. Yeah. I really yeah. would be lost because I, ha- yeah. I haven't thought through that. 
You'd find your you'd find your way every night practicing on the driving range because you'd have to be really good at the golf as well, right? <laughs> yeah, because there is competition in golf. You can't take it out unless you play on your own, and even then, yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, you have a few years yet to figure that one out, right? I, I hope so. I haven't received the memo yet, yeah. but uh, we've been doing really, really well in the last uh, last eight months since I took over yeah. the role. Um, and what are you enjoying most and what's giving you greatest satisfaction of what you're doing now? I think um, th there were three milestones. So, so uh, I I'm responsible for Southern Europe and I live in London. Um, so so, so the, the countries I look after are France, uh, Spain, Italy and Portugal. Uh, and, and all of them, as you can uh, imagine, uh, speak different languages that they're very proud of and wouldn't like to speak anything else. Um, and, and cultures that they're amazingly even more proud of that, that, that they want to you know, hold on to. Uh, so when I first picked up the role, I, you know, I thought it'd be really, really difficult to work with these guys because it's, it's a different language. They, 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 I mean, even the customers don't like to speak uh, in, 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 in language other than their own native tongues. And, and, and very surprising. So therefore, my first milestone was acceptance, you know, for, 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 for both my internal and my external customers to accept me. And these are people who were reporting into me. Um, so, so, so I think I think that was the first first challenge. And then the second challenge was then the change of uh, behavior uh, to, to, to start um, start driving a, a sense of um, of, 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 of growth that wasn't there in the firm. You know, we were, um, we, 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 we have been known as a legacy organization and, and we're trying very hard to shut that image and move. And that comes from within and changing that culture. Um, and, and we have different cultures in different countries because we operated as, as what is known as GBUs or, or geographic business units. So each country had a culture of their of that own. And changing that culture to a more common growth-oriented corporate culture was my second milestone, which I think I'm, I'm on number two at the moment. Uh, and hopefully that by, and, and so if, if we follow those steps um, to, to the third and the fourth, uh, you know, milestones of, of, of growth and sustenance, and I think, I, think, I think we'll get there in a year's time. I think, Sid, if you ever had to retire in the morning, you have so much to teach people. You have so much insight, knowledge, experience that you could spend many years doing that. Oh, I'm, I'm not so sure, Paul, but, but I'm... <laughs> thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, uh, no, for, for sure. And I, I think everybody has a story, but in terms of the experience and being able to manage that, because you're doing it with digital transformation, um, that's, that's an ongoing thing as well. But... Um, yeah, uh, I, I think we. we I, I think teaching is quite a rewarding um, profession. I don't mean necessarily in schools, but just in terms of companies as well. Uh, because you, you've already you talked about the Mr. Tata, and just that one hour you spent with him. Oh, that was amazing. Uh, yeah. So if you think of that, and and you could give that gift to so many other people too. Um, however. Two quick final questions sure. uh, on a more kind of personal motivational level. One is, if your house is burning down and your family were safe and any pets you have all safe, including your, 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 your phone, it's safe, and uh, you had time to run back into the house and take one item quickly to save it, what would it be and why? 
um, <laughs> I think it would be my NAS. Your my NAS, my um, my, my 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 network storage device. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm hoping it's backed up somewhere. <laughs> really. <laughs> because that's got all my pictures. Uh, it's, okay. it's got family. It's got, it's, it's got all our memories as we went yeah. through this difficult journey. Uh, ever yeah. since digital photographs or videos yeah. came into play, uh, it's 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 got our lives in 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 a yeah. very small box. Um, and 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 yes, that's that's yeah. the one thing that I would go for. I want to tell you about this little thing. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody else. It's called the cloud. Only <laughs> <laughs> oh, kidding. Only kidding. I've uh, graduated to putting pictures on cloud, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Wasn't going to ask it. Yeah. Look, when your time on this planet is done, and they erect a statue in your honor, what would you like it to say at the base plate? Well, these are profound questions, Paul. You should have warned me. Um, I don't know. I think I just want one person to say he's helped me. Uh, someone, somewhere, I made a difference uh, mm. uh, in someone's life, and and and, and that's mm. that. That would be really, really, um, yeah. That would be great, actually. Yeah, I've had a I... positive. Yeah. somebody change somebody's life yeah for i good. can imagine this there's many more than just one even I, people I, I, who hear your story i hope so i hope so yeah. i come across so many of of these people yeah. and a number of people i've worked with have still kept in touch i'm sure for good reason yeah, yeah. look you've been very generous with your time Sid. i really appreciate yeah. it Thank you so i really enjoyed the conversation it was, it was great thank you for joining me on the podcast